Um, and I did a lot of work and, and, and took some pretty big risks with one family that was losing their home. Um, and I just remember a conversation later with someone being like, you know, you're the, like, you're one of the few people who understood that this is our home. Like, this is, this is where we belong. Welcome to your eulogy. In this episode, I interview Ariana Feldman. Uh, my friend and a housing rights advocate who I met because she's a housing rights advocate and I needed help um, asserting my rights as a tenant. This interview was really fun. Um, We had talked a lot about housing rights before, but I finally got to talk to her about her actual life and it's interesting to see where she gets her drive from. Uh, Some cool details to try to hook you are her mom is an opera singer. Um... She grew up in Italy, and I think she was born in Paris, uh, in which her babysitter is the author of Persepolis, that um, really good graphic novel about Iran. And it was really nice to hear um, about her and and what kind of drives her and um, how she views um, her life and death and whatnot. And... That is an incredible intro that I've just given. Um, Here is the theme. So that we can talk about their death. Today, I just threw away a bag with some dead frozen mice in it. I promise this <laughs> ties in to my guest somehow. Uh, Ar- Ar- Ariana, my, my guest today, can you guess <laughs> how this um, ties into your introduction? Because I am a snake that likes to eat mice. No. Um, because I'm guessing that it ties in because I work a lot with people who have problems with mice in their rental places. That's right. Um, years ago, contacted um, Ariana because I had a bad landlord and I needed help asserting my rights. And um, I stayed with that landlord for like a year, year and a half or so. And at the end, I decided to keep some of the dead mice and dead cockroaches because they had still had my deposit (laughs) and I was going to sue. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I was like, I don't know. I mean, like I should just keep this as evidence and it's been in my (laughs) my freezer. Ever since. (laughs) Yeah. And today I saw it there and I was just like, well, this is really fitting. Ariana's coming for the interview. It's an omen. The dead mice omen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, my guest today is Ariana. Um, do you want to use your name? Sure. Yeah. Ariana, yeah. Ariana Feldman. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, what's the Spanish pronunciation of that? <laughs> there is no Spanish pronunciation of it. Of I Ar- guess, uh, Don't people say Ariana differently? Ariana okay. would be the yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Feldman is a pretty American name. Yeah, yeah. Jewish American name. So people just don't really pronounce it in Spanish. <laughs> okay. Um, I open up uh, each episode with a joke um, because Ariana uh, works with a housing uh, rights organization that is a bit left leaning. I thought up a leftist death joke. <laughs> Excellent. So um, um, left leaning. I hate that phrase because it's it makes it seem. It places uh, value on the center, you know, mm-hmm, and the center is mm-hmm. often manufactured. So that's true. Anyway, <laughs> I also wouldn't say we're a bit left leaning, <laughs> a little more than that, probably. <laughs> um, uh, so the joke is um, something like, "How come capitalists love dying? Uh, because, because, like everything else in their life, they just go straight to heaven and." Everybody else has to clean up the mess <laughs> of, of their dead body. So true. It's a very bitter laugh. <laughs> um, so, a couple years ago, I was living in this apartment, and there was like a bunch of cockroaches and some other maintenance issues, and uh, we weren't getting anything done when we would um, call the office, um, and. So that was kind of bad, but then uh, a new problem occurred, which is the um, the shower would get like clogged up and like leak. Mm-hmm. And our neighbor came from um, below us, and he was like, "Hey, man, whenever you take a shower, our roof is flooded." And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" So we went down there, and turns out that a pipe had broken, and for the past like couple months, it had been getting worse. We were just kind of flooding the roof of this apartment. Um, and it was a uh, multi-generational family, which is to say old people and babies were <laughs> hanging out in this apartment with a bunch of like mold <laughs> festering oh, everywhere. No. And I was like, this is crazy. And so I called, I can't remember how I got the number. I called a, an organization called Homeline, which offers free legal help to um, Minnesotan um, residents. And they referred me to this group um, and she said, oh, we call them IX, but just give them a call. And I <laughs> called them, and uh, my guest, Ariana, picked up, and she said, oh, hey, um, you want to come to a meeting <laughs> so we can talk about this? And I said, sure. And I went, and um, since, and I got a bunch of uh, help, learned how to fi- file um, repair request forms to um, withhold rent if stuff didn't get fixed. And um, that was your intro. That's, that's how, I how met you, you met me. Yeah. yeah, and I feel that it represents a fair, like a part of your working life, fairly well. Yeah, it does. It does. That's that's a very good. And I had just started when you called. Oh yeah. It was like my third week at the organization, so one of the first people I worked with. Very cool. exciting. I also I don't know if I ever told you this, <laughs> but when you called, I totally misunderstood your name because you called. I think on our office phone, and our office phone is horrible. It has terrible sound and so for a while i thought your name was like majish <laughs> for a really long time and then well then i met you yeah. and it all got cleared up majish <laughs> that's not bad <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> yeah um yes but we're not here to talk about housing stuff um considering you've done that um, all week long, That's unless you true. want to. Do you want to talk more about Steve Friends and <laughs> Not really. kicking people out <laughs> no. of apartments that he doesn't have the right to 
collect money from yeah i mean he yeah bad landlords that's that's our focus bad landlords and trying to make bad landlords stop being landlords so part of uh this process of like you know writing a, a little eulogy um is an analysis of like your life and whatnot um how, how do you think your childhood was defined mm-hmm. um i think i had a really a uh, fairly happy childhood um i had a lot of things going for me a lot of like best of many different worlds like my mom when she initially had me was a single mom but then she met my dad when i was three years old and he Mm -hmm. adopted me so i grew up with two parents but also had the you know the amazing experience of my mom fought really hard to have me and like really wanted me um were you born in spain no i was born in paris technically oh oh yeah with your you have that little anecdote of your your babysitter being uh in the u.s yeah the so yeah my mom had me through in vitro she couldn't have it in the u.s so she had to or she couldn't have do it in france so she had to do it in the u.s oh i didn't know that i was just talking Uh, about your babysitter being the author of. oh sorry yeah 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 that also is true (laughs) yeah my babysitter was the author of persepolis but sorry i totally misheard what you were saying but um yeah my mom had me through in vitro but it's it was illegal well at the time it was illegal for unmarried women to do that so she Mm -hmm. did it in the u.s but had the the surgery in the u.s but then um i was born in paris and lived there my first three years and then my mom moved to italy to move in with my dad who adopted Mm me and that way i also got my dad already had a son so i got a brother um but I'm still my mom's only daughter, so I kind of had, like, I was an only child, but I had a sibling. <laughs> um, so I really got, you know, the best of those worlds. Um, I grew up in, like, a, this, like, beautiful house in the countryside in Italy. Um, and in a really, I mean, I kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere, but the closest town was really, really small. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> that's cool what was uh, uh what was what's your mom like um what's my mom like my mom is uh she you know was a a really uh cool hippie in the 60s and uh is very enlightened did a lot of drugs in her day um and she is a opera singer she's retired now but she's a musician um and you know, a super very loving mom, um, and uh, yeah. What else to say? She self-diagnosed herself as a woman who loves too much. <laughs> <laughs> she she loved me a lot. Loves my dad a lot. Uh, in, in any bad way? Uh, I mean, I don't like meddling at all. <laughs> Not a ton. No, she was always very trusting. Um, I think the she could sometimes be over concerned for me mm-hmm. and like too worried about things that maybe weren't so concerning always. Um, but it was always with good intention, you know. She yeah, always yeah. was very trusting. Yeah, concern um, and worry. I, I think those are two. Um, well, they're synonyms basically. Um, and I think the way that it's manifested in her life really kind of um, sculpts her psychology. Um, 
did any of that get transferred to you? No, well, in a sense, yes. I think I, my mom is scared of a lot of things. She's worried of a lot of things. And so I always catch myself if I'm scared of something or worried, I wonder if it's just made up or if it's because um, there's actually something to be scared of. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, she she transferred it to me because I'm always, I'm scared of being scared. Like I don't, I don't want to be scared like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's a really good tool to be able to um see the utility of like fear and worry. I had my uncle on uh this podcast earlier and he said something pretty cryptic. I'm not sure if it's true, but it's really poetic <laughs> where he said fear frees you. Um and I think by that he meant um having a um ha- having fear and because his his brother and his dad died um, because of like high blood um, pressure and like um, sudden cardiac arrest, and so he had to um, get really healthy. and um, And he says that because he knows because the the threat's so real, it actually pushes him and allows him to be more open um, to like the tenderness of life. Hmm. Do you wow, think that's your really mom unique perspective. Feels the tenderness too much? Maybe. <laughs> I I would say my mom my mom actually has talked about that a lot in in relationship to death. Like knowing that death is coming has made her appreciate life more. Uh-huh. But I don't know if that's how I have perceived her fear or my fear for that reason. Like there I mean that's a really good way of looking at it, but what if you're so worried and scared that you don't want to go out your front door in the morning or you don't want to, you know, you're scared of crossing the street or you're scared of traveling because something mm-hmm. might happen. It, it's not really freeing. It, it, it like constricts you more. It keeps you from, from that freedom. Yeah. Yeah, that's no good. Um, your general uh, tone and demeanor, um, I feel, may misrepresent you. Um, in real life, um, IRL, as the children <laughs> children say. The children. Um, is, is it pretty like steady, um, um, steady like tempered demeanor? Uh, mm-hmm. do, do you think that's um, how you feel inside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm pretty, I'm like pretty, I think there are, I've, I've thought about this a lot. There's some things that make me very angry. Mm-hmm. And I don't express that anger <laughs> very much. Um, and that, yeah, in that sense, it probably doesn't represent well. Like, I do feel very strongly about a lot of things. Um, but I tend to not maybe communicate that if you don't know me mm-hmm. better. What what uh, really, um, you know, stirs the, the fury within? Um, I, I get very upset about... Um, injustice and that can look like a lot of different things i mean it's why i do what i do in housing but a lot of things will make me really angry like uh-huh. when things aren't fair when things aren't um uh, how they should be or something i mean that that's very general but that's funny um right before you came and i was trying to write when i wrote that hilarious um capitalist dying joke <laughs> um I also wrote down something about it says like life life's not fair um 
that's just that's just such a pessimistic <laughs> and sad thing that that's a common adage <laughs> that life's not that fair. life's not fair yeah exactly yeah, like grow up life's not fair it's like a parent just being like grow up life sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah everything yeah, we've taught exactly. you is a lie <laughs> this world is bullshit <laughs> hey, you're not going to get what you want most of the time, so get yeah. used to it. <laughs> yeah, w- which is true, but but it, it's like um, that phrase, like, you don't want to see, like, how the sausage is made. And yeah. And it's, it's like taxes, and I'm like, hold up. Like, maybe you shouldn't make sausage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And maybe exactly. you should make taxes differently. Like, that mm-hmm. movie Lincoln came out, and... Like, one-third of it is a bunch of people going around through Lincoln, like, trading votes and give, like, mm-hmm. giving up, uh, giving out appointments and jobs to people to get votes. And I'm like, and this is, like, our most celebrated. Yeah, true. <laughs> what does <laughs> that say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and so the, the fury that comes from, like, injustice, um, wh- where do you think that came from? What do you think that's about? Yeah, I've thought about that a lot. I'm not sure. I mean, my I guess my parents raised me with a strong sense of, you know, with strong values and strong uh, what's right and what's wrong. But neither of my parents are necessarily activists or or I wasn't raised like with any kind of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I, I think as a like I remember as a kid, um, my parents were always worried because when they would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I'd always say a waitress because whenever we'd go out, the waitress was the friendliest person and she uh. would like help us and bring us things. So I was like, I want to be like that person. She's like helping everyone. Um, and I think in a sense, like understanding that, like what that looks like, it well, what I thought I was getting at <laughs> probably um, is that like, everyone should have everything that they want um and i just you know i decided to not be a waitress and and take it into a different sphere but it's kind of that sense um you have kind of an innate desire to um what 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 i find commendable about um people in many fields of work uh, yours included is being able to on a daily basis deal with the abstract Mm -hmm. you're dealing with you're dealing with literal things, but it's all moved through abstract concepts like, you know, legal documents. and That's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any um, insights on how to keep moving forward when, um, when you're pushing against air? Yeah. I mean, I think the what keeps me grounded is, is bringing it back to what is very tangible and real. I mean, I'm I'm not good with the legalese at all, and I'm not good with, you know, the the theory of housing or whatever. And it's just like bring it back to, it's like, well, no, but I talked to someone today who literally doesn't have heat. <laughs> I can I can I can feel that. I can touch that. That mm. makes sense to me. It doesn't really matter under section whatever of whatever law if that's okay. I I still know he doesn't have heat. Um, and that keeps me, I feel like it, it helps keep me grounded in, um, yeah, the concrete, I don't know if reality is the right word cause things that are abstract can still be real, but yeah, the, the like concrete, tangible things. Was IX involved in that, um, 
when Minneapolis just bought like nine buildings. Yes, that was us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inquilinos Unidos. Inquilinos Unidos, yeah. Okay, I'm so, I, I've never been comfortable <laughs> saying it. I know, I know. Even Spanish speakers aren't because we use the, the X, which is the gender neutral. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes us, I, I think the funniest one that I've heard is because if you pronounced it, it would be Inquilinex Unidex. No, I heard that that makes it sound like a vacuum cleaning company <laughs> or something. Um, what would be like the worst thing you can imagine? <laughs> In the world? Yeah, or? Can, aren't I a pro in, in, interviewer just like throwing out really? But I mean, that's kind of what we're getting to because we're going to be we're talking about the end of your life. And to understand that, I, I feel like I want to get to the core of where your emotion, like where you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it, is it just like your life falling apart? Is it, you know, people um, in your life, you know, mm-hmm. having, you know, being hurt or something? Yeah, yeah. I think losing, uh, losing community is maybe what I'm the most scared of. So like a moment that, it wasn't the worst moment of my life, but a really low moment was, for me was like, I graduated college and a bunch of friends of mine had moved I didn't have a job. Um, I actually had a job, and then I was fired. Um, I, you know, I, I had an apartment, but I was living alone. And I think, like, not not being surrounded by any people or anything uh, made me be like, why am I even here? Mm. Not necessarily on this planet. I was thinking more like in this country. Why am I not with my family? But it was kind of the worst case scenario. It was like. I don't have any friends around me. I'm living alone and I don't have a purpose, a job. Um, And that was one of the, you know, it didn't last very long and eventually I found a job and and other communities and whatnot. But that sort of sense of uh, lack of purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so you you kind of found a place that literally... Uh, protects community yeah mm-hmm. and so maybe your drive isn't in, isn't to fight injustice but to support you know people no oh, that makes sense the community yeah i think that's right that's very true yeah that's, that's a good analysis that's really <laughs> that's a really beautiful thing mm-hmm. well let's talk about your actual life um what what like feeling um was there a moment or something that happened where you kind of had like a trans I was going to say transcendental, but I don't think that's the right word. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I know the word what that word? you're thinking it's, of. It's a pretty like basic transcendent. Yeah, transcendent. Yeah. You know, where you kind of like feel and you're like, yeah, this is great, you know? like. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, okay, a moment in particular that I can think of um, was this, uh, I was with an, uh, I wasn't, paid working at the time I, was, I guess you could say i was volunteering but working with an organization that um was fighting to uh protect people's homes from foreclosure during the 2008 housing crisis um and i did a lot of work and 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 took some pretty big risks with one family that was losing their home um and i just remember a conversation later with someone being like you know you're the like you're one of the few people who understood that this is our home like this is this is where we belong um and just a lot of gratitude for um honoring their space and and their agency um 
and it was just sort of uh i mean i i already was very passionate about the cause but it made me realize like this is actually really big and i'm part of something really good and it made me feel proud it's like mm. i'm not just wasting my time on this um this is something really meaningful um and that yeah i felt really proud about that i was happy about that yeah that's that's beautiful um this would be a non sequitur but it is related Mm -hmm. so there's a documentary called like i fell in love with the golden gate bridge or something and it's about people that have like objectophilia or where inanimate objects they'll feel a connection to them oh and interesting these people um this is a heightened version of of something where like there's this there's this badass archer who she just loves her bows and she's just like yeah you know yeah yeah um and i think all humans have something like that where we can take the outside world um and we imbue it with a certain sense of um you know we make it kind of special and that's that's what a house is you know yeah that's where you live i mean obviously it's you know the security of having a place and you know where um where your family lives and and whatnot but i do think there is something magical that gets lost when we um now i'm gonna sound really you know wishy-washy when we commodify (laughs) (laughs) things like living spaces yeah Um, well i would agree with that yeah I don't think wishwashy. Wishwashy. Right. I don't know what that. <laughs> I already said leftist, and I think I've said it like three times. So I'm not gonna <laughs> say it again. I'm not gonna say it again. <laughs> um, do you have any um, personal experience with with death or fears about it or anything already going into this? Not really. I haven't been. I, I don't. I don't think about death much. I'm probably a young person's problem. I don't. I don't. Mm. Um, never been really afraid of it because I haven't thought about it a whole lot, I don't think. Um, I think this this year has actually weirdly been a, a year with more death than usual. Um, my uncle passed away um, and it was, it was very strange. I, I was I was pretty close with him and he um, when he got sick with cancer um, oh, what like two years ago. And because I don't have much experience with death, like I never actually thought that would mean, oh, like he could actually, he could die. Um, And then he, he was very sick and he didn't really want to see anyone. So I never, I didn't get to see him before he died. Um, And then it just sort of, it just happened very suddenly. I guess it wasn't sudden though. Like he was sick for a long time, but it, it's it, I don't it still caught me by surprise, <laughs> um, I guess. And then I was like, no, he's not there anymore. It's weird. Um, and and shortly before that, I had a, a friend who who passed away, um, mm-hmm. and he was very young. Um, uh, he was twenty four. So it was is also very strange. He was someone that I wasn't super close with. I was pretty close with at some point, but. I never thought, oh, I'm never going to see you again <laughs> until that was the reality. Yeah. Um, and I still, like, I, I don't think much about that applying to me, but, I mean, obviously it does. <laughs> so maybe I should. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, young young deaths are hard because, I mean, they're incredibly hard um, if if you're if you're close and close to it. But even if you're not the um, the magical thinking that um, I'm not sure if Joan Didion um, coined that phrase for talking about grief, but yeah, I had a little bit of distance between a friend who died um, when he was young. And I don't think I really believe he died, mm-hmm. like to, you know, in in my in my heart, um, because we're not used to it, and it, is, and it doesn't seem natural. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the other day, I was at a coffee shop and and saw someone that looked a lot like him, and I was I was like, oh, it's him. Maybe maybe he faked his own death. <laughs> I mean, I don't really think that through. I know he didn't, but it seems very, yeah, it's very odd. Um, I never, you know, thought about people that I've maybe drifted apart from actually never seeing them again. That's a kind of a wake up call, I guess. Yeah. Do you think about um, when your parents die? Yeah, uh, I started thinking about that more because my uncle passed and my mm-hmm. uncle is, was younger than my parents. Maybe, maybe he was a few years older, similar age. Um, it's, uh, it's really weird. <laughs> Like, I cannot imagine living in a world where my parents don't see me or aren't there. Yeah. Um, I know it's coming, and whatever, they wrote a will and had me and my brother sign it. Like, I know it's a reality, but I can't really imagine it. It's so strange. Yeah, I, I, f- I feel... I don't like the idea of my parents not being able to define themselves anymore. Because I feel that my like cycle, like my bullshit cycle analysis, like was kick into overdrive once they're not there. Yeah. <laughs> to show me who they actually are. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. That's true. I. I don't like that, and I don't like. Like if I find something really funny that I think my parents would enjoy. I don't like the idea of not being able to share it with them. Mm-hmm. That is, that's like, I don't even know what that's like. Do I need to give any context or just read what I wrote? Um, if, if you want. So, I, I'll, just, I'll just read it. So... I was the only one who didn't know how to tie my shoe, and I was embarrassed, ashamed, and scared. It seemed like the walls were closing in on me and my world was about to implode. I can still feel the hot tears on my face and the total sense of panic overcoming me. I couldn't ask for help because I didn't know how to. He didn't judge me, he didn't mock, he just calmly helped me. He taught me my first words of Italian, and then he tied my shoe. I swear I fell in love with that feeling that day, and I never forgot that feeling. And if I leave behind anything, that's what I hope I leave. The genuine feeling of love and comfort. A sweetness without pretext, without expecting anything in return. A warm feeling of belonging and being okay. Hopefully when I die, someone will think, she would have helped me tie my shoe, even if when no one else would. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. 
you know, oh, I, I, I hope we don't need that for some time. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, th- thank you for listening. It, this has been your eulogy. My name is Matthew Schneeman. I have uh, produced and did the music and edited uh, this episode. <laughs>